This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. listening to the Giving Thought podcast. This is a podcast from CAF's think tank, Giving Thought, in which we look at big issues and themes relating to philanthropy and civil society. I'm your host, as ever, Rod Davis, and this week we're in conversation with Simon Burton, who is the founder and chief executive of the Charity Film Awards here in the UK. Um, So Simon and I sat down to have a chat about the Charity Film Awards and what they do, and kind of more broadly about the question of how charities use film to represent themselves and what they do and kind of how charity is and is potentially going to be portrayed on film um so yeah we had a good wide-ranging chat we sort of talked about how the charity film awards come about what uh, simon had kind of learned from uh, being involved in running that and kind of judging entries over the last few years. Um, we had an interesting chat about whether um, representations of charity on film kind of tended to veer towards the negative and sort of fall back on stereotypes and, and trying to evoke pity rather than kind of optimism and, and hope, um, which actually, you know, Simon sort of said he'd seen uh, very much the opposite, which was interesting. Um, we had a chat about the ways in which video as a medium and the kind of increasing ability to produce cheap high quantity high quality video had potentially kind of empowered small organizations and what it was that that made for for good videos that could cut through despite uh, potentially limited resources talked about the channels that organizations were using to put some of that video out and kind of how organizations are using different social media platforms twitter facebook and others um, we talked about how you know whether organizations are starting to experiment with new forms of video sort of short form video platforms like tiktok uh, and others um, we talked about whether simon had seen kind of innovations using things like 360 degree video or um, augmented or virtual reality coming in had some interesting examples around that um, and then finally we talked about kind of broader representation of charity in the media and on television and film uh, and kind of whether those were were sort of generally positive and if there weren't uh, the kinds of representations of charity you know in those media that we might want why that is and what we could do about it so without further ado let's go into the conversation and i will be back at the end for a little bit of housekeeping and tidying up Okay, great. So I'm here with Simon Burton. Hi there, Simon. Hi, Rodley. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, and Simon is the founder of the Charity Film Awards. Um, but before I kind of go on and say any any more about that, Simon, I know we're going to talk about that quite a lot on the podcast today. Um, maybe you could just kind of give a bit of background in your own words about sort of what you do, how the Charity Film Awards came around and how you kind of come to issues around charity and giving. Sure. So um, I- I'm an entrepreneur mostly in the world of events and PR and social media, run a number of awards and have been engaged with a number of charities across the course of my professional career. And one day I saw a remarkable film on YouTube made by Greenpeace, um, which discussed the Lego Shell partnership. And I had a kind of eureka moment that 
there was this amazing content that charities were producing that wasn't being shared widely and that we could use the awards campaign structure to take those messages to a wider audience and create engagement for those charities. And and is and what's the sort of aim then behind the the awards to kind of highlight where you think there is kind of existing good practice in using video for storytelling in charities? I think we have two objectives. So one is to encourage charities to think more about digital, specifically video, in terms of the way they communicate, but also to give them a tool which proves that that thesis is correct, that if you create effective film and you use digital communications and PR and social media of that film effectively, you can reach people you did not believe you could reach previously and you can have a better conversation with your existing supporters. Absolutely. And what I mean, what you mentioned there, the, the um, Greenpeace Lego shell video is what is one example that, that kind of gave you a, a road to Damascus moment. Um, what what in you know through the awards or more broadly, have you have you seen in terms of charities using video in innovative ways that you thought, wow, that's that's really smart. So I think I draw a distinction that I think the general public doesn't, which is they immediately assume when you talk about charity film that you're talking about a film deliberately designed to evoke pity in order to make someone put their hand in their pocket for money. We've had over 1,600 films enter the Charity Film Awards uh, in the four years we've been running, and I would say that kind of model accounts for 10% of them. The, the vast majority reflect a desire to get that charity's message out to a wider audience. Now, that might be more or less successfully done, but fundraising is not the core issue. The core, core aim, rather, the core aim is communication, engagement, amplification and changing hearts and minds. And and do you think? I mean, it's an interesting question that one because you sort of say actually the 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 balance is more towards that more sort of positive storytelling. Uh, do you do you think that that actually there's there's still in the sector a kind of wider sense? I mean, certainly when it comes to fundraising, that actually even if you believe that's the way to go, actually what everybody knows works is to tell the sort of sob story to have the kind of tragic image. And and do you think that is actually problematic for for charities that they're kind of sticking to to some of that imagery? I'm not question everyone knows that works um, because uh, so one of the things that we note is that film is typically most effectively used by what we would what we call the challenger charities, younger charities that have reached a certain size and scale and are campaigning. And they're about addressing an issue. They're almost activists rather than fundraisers. Uh, and, and with them, with those charities, and some of those can be almost household names, there's a desire to get the message out, to spread the word, to proselytise, to, to convert. That's in opposition to the bigger charities where frequently I think video is a smaller tool in their armoury and uh, the risk of being controversial. I question whether the... Uh, most senior people know what is or isn't being done at that level because it's being run by teams who are committed to digital and content and perhaps aren't at the board's table. Absolutely. So that's really interesting there. So you're, are you saying that in some way some of the better work you've seen is actually by smaller organisations that are perhaps kind of more more nimble when it comes to, to using video or, or is it just that the people working them are kind of more au fait with, with that as a medium? But I think the answer to that is both. And that's not to say that some of the bigger charities don't produce stunning content. But I think 
Uh, and actually, some of the very, very tiniest charities produce stunning content. Uh, there's a, if you think this year we had 400 charities enter, and those films vary enormously in terms of subject matter, in terms of approach, in terms of content, uh, and in terms of style. But there is a type of charity which believes that digital is its platform that is just more adroit uh, about using them. Um, and, uh, but but I could give you examples across the spectrum uh, of, of brilliant films in action. And to, to go back to the, the question you, you raised, which started this, I've seen an example of one of our winning films, which makes a call to action, which is really just to share the film. Um, and when we showed that at one of our ceremonies, a philanthropist, unbeknownst to us, walked up to that chair at the end of the ceremony and wrote them a cheque for £25,000. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, interesting in the, I mean, I guess you're saying that's not, it wasn't specifically uh, designed as a film with a fundraising ask, but actually the end result of it, because they had told a compelling story, was that it resulted in a donation. Right. Because, because what is a donation but a change in behaviour? And what does film do better than anything? Any, any other medium, film's ability to combine sound and moving images to, to affect our hearts and change the way we think about something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in in terms of the the sort of the way in which the the organisations that that you've seen come through the awards actually approach video. I mean, you said there that actually you've seen a spectrum from sort of big organisations with quite large resources making good videos to those with small resources. Um, and I'm kind of interested in that because it it seems to me more broadly social media and some of these digital tools can have quite a levelling effect because actually if you're smart about how you use them, you can do amazing things with not very uh, large resources that kind of amplify your message. Do, do you see differences in the way that different sized organizations approach it? I mean, is my, my suspicion would be that the, you know, the, the big guns have kind of quite slick, high production value videos that, that, you know, kind of work on that level. And then the smaller players, if they're going to cut through, just have to be a bit cannier about what they're doing and be a bit more innovative and clever. I mean, is, is that a fair reflection or is that just totally totally wrong no i think it's i think it's a fair starting point what i'd say is that the the big guns the the legacy charities the household names probably have a dedicated team and they're producing way more um video content of all sorts of um objectives than than we as an audience could keep up with so there'll be internal films there'll be something produced by um their their supporters there'll be the big campaign film there'll be the christmas film i mean these are sophisticated large organizations who are clever about their marketing but but perhaps more to your point where resources are stretched we've seen i'll give you some examples look at the film which generated a huge amount of public votes this year in the campaign which was for health watch essex it's called joshua's um, Health Watch Hero, and it's a film made entirely on an iPhone. And using the Charity Film Awards campaign, that charity uh, and Joshua, a charming seven-year-old, um, appeared on ITV, about 12 newspapers, three or four radio interviews, with a film made on an iPhone. And that was because they used the awards story in the way we designed to allow them to approach those media to, to get the story. Local charity shortlisted for national awards is an immediate winner. And Joshua, as this cute little seven-year-old who's at the heart of the story, um, adopted his role with aplomb. 
and uh, and made it work. And, and that was filmed on an iPhone. And then next to that, you might have another great film, which didn't even win uh, one of our prizes that was made on Fiverr for a few hundred pounds um, and was an animation made on Fiverr, but well scripted. The, the I would say the important thing is not the resources you have to support you. It's are you creative and do you understand how to make a film that communicates? Yeah. No, I mean, that's it's really interesting to hear. And, and certainly with, with that example, the other thing that makes me wonder is how many of the organisations that you're seeing making this video are kind of starting, you know, their starting point is let's do this in-house, have our own ideas, we'll do the, the production, the storyboard and everything and produce it. And how many of them are sort of thinking this is a way to engage supporters and a kind of wider community of people who don't necessarily work for our organisation but could produce great content for it or it could be a way for them to engage with the organisation? Well, well, there's a huge market of um, video production companies who specialise in cause-based and for-good video work. Uh, I mean, a hundred we we identified at last count. I think many charities' first foray into film is for the gala dinner, for the fundraising event, where showing that film at the start of the process is uh, part of the part of the format. But I think that's rapidly changing to encompass those who realize that they can use the film to engage with a wider audience. It's shareability. And that shareability is hardwired into the way we run charity film awards. So the public vote component is uh, is tied into social media. So if you vote for the film you like, you're immediately encouraged to share that to Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, to encourage your connections to view and vote. So the average film doubles its number of views between starting the campaign and ending the campaign, regardless of how many views it had to start with, if you see what I mean. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. I was going to ask actually about channels because I'd sort of I'd wondered, you know, when when organisations are aiming to make all this video content, you know, how are they getting out? Because you say some of it might be kind of internal videos for their own purposes. Some might be the sort of gala dinner. But obviously, to make the most of it, you want to be getting it out there to the widest possible audience. Do you? I mean, w- what are you seeing in terms of where organisations are putting? their resources in terms of of channels whether that you know and kind of within social media are 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 you seeing changes in terms of the platforms that the organizations are focusing on or seeing as the best places to to try and push content right and uh, i want to say at this point uh, you know every year we have between 300 and 400 charities enter so uh, to tar everybody with the same brush is <laughs> is disingenuous yeah. but broadly broadly there is a risk of we've got a great film let's stick it on youtube and they will come yeah because they won't you've got to find a way of using that content and your networks to go beyond that and we see a variety of tactics and success twitter can be very effective for those charities who've got big twitter audiences but it's so ephemeral um it's hard if you don't have volume uh facebook facebook is effective i think for charities but it's increasingly costly uh, but then using the film this is a, this is an old pr tactic using the film to get pr it's it, it, it is very effective and that's that's the structure of the awards i'd also say that celebrity 
whether in your film or just you ask them to share on social media because you think they'll care is is not a bad strategy because they have volume yeah absolutely and i guess, I guess that's sort of i mean a, an influencer strategy of, of some sort or another as you say it's kind of if you if you hope as a small charity with like a thousand followers on twitter or whatever that you just put your video out once and then everybody will watch it it's probably not not the best way of, of going about things right but, but just to that point but that will work if your video is great yeah there's a this is part of the risk of tying everyone with the same with the same brush there are a huge number of the films we see which are pretty formulaic and adhere to what we would all regard as a standard formula for the sector, whether that's international development or uh, childhood cancer or the climate or animal welfare or, or the elderly. And those films which, uh, and I stress this is not about having more money or more resources, although clearly those things help, but are cleverer, better made, more engaging content, do better because they're shareable yeah yeah no i mean absolutely i guess it's i guess and i guess there are things that 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 can be advised on which can make content better and more shareable that that people know and i think you know i'm sure there's all sorts of resources that organizations can can access if they want to try and make video content i guess the 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 challenge for a lot of small organizations if they want to get into video is is not falling into that trap of thinking well let, let's all we need to do is make a viral video and then it'll be everything will be right right, I mean, right sure <laughs> sure 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 but there are some things i would advise a starter charity to 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 not do if at all possible so the first thing is not make it longer than four minutes uh a a, an inability to make these messages succinct or to assume you have to tell all the messages in one go bedevils the sector, in my view, as an outsider. Um, that's, the, that's the first thing. And then uh, aligned to that is a sense that if you are representing people through your charity, that you have to put them front and centre can... Uh, can be very challenging for a world in which any one of us can switch on Netflix and watch the highest quality production and actors at the drop of a hat. So if you're not mindful of your audience and your audience's patience and perspective, you can end up spending a lot of time and energy creating something which is only for your, for your narrow field of vision and will never go beyond that because it's too long and a bit introspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, I think it's a, it is a challenge for the sector, and I say this as somebody in the sector, not to fall into that trap of being totally unable to, to kind of put yourself in the shoes of somebody in in the general public and kind of see what might be of interest to them because you know lots of people in the sector are extremely committed to what they do and sometimes sort of struggle to see the the wood for the trees i think and if you're trying and I'm, not, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have representation mm. but that representation needs to be uh handled in an appropriate way um and the best the best films uh, find a way of doing that um in fact many of the best films find a way of balancing all those components of uh, professionalism and authenticity that the authenticity is at the heart of everything we're talking about here Rodri. authenticity yeah. how are you authentic in a way which speaks to your audience and engages your audience and that requires you to understand your audience because you know what your own authenticity is yeah 
And it's, it's an interesting one because, I mean, it goes to a wider issue, I guess, that charities have with everything they do, including their fundraising, is getting the right balance between not looking amateurish so that people actually want to to engage with what you're doing and see your, your content and, and kind of listen to your message, um, but also not looking like you are... Uh, kind of unjustifiably spending lots of resources on it because people might then sort of think hang on a minute why are you spending all of this money on on these kind of you know videos or marketing material and i think i think that is a sort of challenge so i guess the, the interesting thing for charities is to think through as you say how they kind of make what they're doing innovative and good and make sure that it is stuff that people actually want to watch but also that they're kind of keeping it as as streamlined as possible do you know what well, do I, I understand the the fear but I, I've, I've read the social media interactions around those 1,600 films, and I read them in detail because it gives me enormous pleasure to see the communication we're driving through the awards. And I think in four years, I've only ever seen three tweets saying, well, what are you spending all this money on that for? Just... Uh, yeah, no, well, that's, I mean, great, I, I great just, to hear. I, 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 don't, I don't... I'm not on the receiving end. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but I don't see it. I, I just don't see that happening. The and, and and on the contrary, this is this is a there's a there's a kernel at the heart of charity film awards that's really important to me because there is a public perception that charities are just asking for money. One of the things the charity film awards breaks is here's our film. Please vote for us. So the only thing the charity that you support is asking you to do is vote and then share. And we have a mechanic by which the voter, if they tweet, tags the charity in the tweet. So I've just voted for at charity name. So the charity sees that. And one of our great delights in Charity Film Awards headquarters is watching the charity then have an exchange with their supporters just to thank them just to thank them for voting, which, of course, is then seen by more people. And it's very empowering. And the, the charities who, regardless of size, who are really savvy about their social media, thrive on this conversation. And I've seen a few examples in the time we've run in the awards of someone who then complains about the service the charity provides for them. Well, it's all very well voting for the film, but I'm not getting X or X hasn't happened for me. And the social media team has been able to say, I'm so sorry about that. Please DM us and we'll resolve it. Just, I'm not for a second saying we're changing the nature, but we're helping reframe some of those conversations. Yeah. Oh, no, it's great to hear. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm glad that it's only my slightly cynical question turns out not to be uh, not to be justified. Um, what I was going to ask, actually, when you were talking earlier about sort of making one of the things being keeping videos shorter and trying to kind of have that brevity. Have you seen any charities successfully using kind of micro video content or trying to use things like TikTok, you know, to make to really short video content effectively yet? I've seen a couple of examples. Uh and some of the bigger charities have asked us to create categories for that. So what I'd say is that feels like a um, something that you need a degree more sophistication to do, doesn't it? It's, that, it's the, the Mark Twain quote. You know, yes. I'd have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so shorter is more demanding. And um, but, 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 but I have seen examples of um, 
charities slicing and dicing their content again and engaging with their supporters and again engaging with their celebrity supporters around shorter form content that I think is interesting. Um, but but I would say one of the one of the challenges for the sector is that challenge of telling the story with brevity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and just going on from that, I mean, slightly different thing, not so much with brevity, but but taking the the idea of video forward. Have you seen any examples of organisations experimenting with things like three hundred and sixty video, or kind of using video that did also has a kind of augmented or virtual reality element of it? Sure. So one of our winners this year was. Um... Mel Council Awareness, a film called The Evolution of Testicles, mm. uh, starring Chris O'Dowd and uh, created in VR and you view it on Oculus. Oh, cool. And what's very interesting about that is, and so that's a small charity. They are in the, I hope I don't get this wrong. They are in the under £100,000 turnover category. Wow. So um, they were able to do a deal with Oculus, clearly, to, to help create the content. And, and, and Chris O'Dowd is a supporter of the charity. And what's interesting about that film is that it's got a very funny trailer. So there's a 30-second trailer that doesn't use VR. Then there's the VR film itself, and it knows its audience. And the audience for Male Cancer Awareness is young men. Well, if you want to engage with them, tell them, here's a bit of here's a gadget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's funny and frank and heartfelt and and powerful. And one of the things I'd say on from that in general is the amount of humour that the good films use. Heart, it's they're heartwarming rather than heartrending. That's a distinction. Uh, we see a lot of animation. Animation's got more popular every year. So, so that clearly becomes more cost effective as tech arises nspcc uh, i think two years ago were winners in a long-form category with a 360 film that very effectively took a view of the call center handling a child's call um very powerful and um so, so we do see some of that what what i think is perhaps more prevalent is an increasing awareness that just because you know what the formula looks like you can do it without the disciplines of editing and direction so if i think about our two overall winners for the past two years and again these are not household name giant charities but they're child bereavement uk and this year's winner carers uk they both use a fairly tight cropped camera on a person who they ask a question to. It's very de it's deceptively simple. Uh, and what's apparent about both of those films is they look like they're simple, but in fact, the degree of direction and editing and thought and briefing that went into them to make them work was extensive. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't, as a, with a non-expert eye, and, and I'm a non-expert eye, know that when you look at it. It's only when you then talk to a production company who tell you quite how clever this was. And it's all in that ability to, to direct properly, to have that powerful focus on the story and the, the, the way in which the music and the images work together. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really interesting. I guess it's yes with some of these things. If you, as you say, I'm an entire non-expert, and sometimes the things that look the simplest actually are kind of deceptive, aren't they? And it's uh, they're the they're the hardest bits to do. So actually, having having an awards where you have people who are able to recognise that stuff and kind of acknowledge that that that's been done cleverly, I think is is probably you know really good for the organisations involved as well to to have that kind of recognised. Right, but don't forget we have both types of awards. We have a, we have awards for the public vote purely. Yeah, yeah. And then we have those which our professional judges uh, get involved with. Yeah, which I think sounds like yeah, sounds like a really good balance so that you're kind of covering uh, covering all of those bases. Um, I just, I wanted to ask actually. I mean, we've managed somehow to record a podcast at this this period in time, and I don't think we've mentioned anything about coronavirus so far, which is a record for this podcast for the last <laughs> few weeks. But um, I'm going to ruin that slightly now. I, just with a question, I wonder actually. I mean, there's a lot of talk in the sector, obviously, with everybody working from home and having kind of endless Zoom calls about what it means that people are having to kind of very quickly go through a process of if not digital transformation, at least sort of getting up to speed with with a lot of new tools. Ha- have you seen any any sort of sense so far that some organizations are thinking more about video as a tool because it is something that they can do in a in a digital environment, whereas otherwise they might have just kind of fallen back on, you know, uh, on kind of physical fundraising or physical kind of in- supporter engagement? Well, I'd argue that Captain Tom's an example of video in action. Yeah, absolutely. Albeit in a number of bite-sized chapters, um, but, um, but 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 that's that's a clear example of it. And um, and I think some of the other things that that, that have perhaps not fundraising, but pick up on your idea of TikTok or shorter form, we're seeing people being very creative with the resources they have in their own home to create compelling content. You know, there are lots of kind of mums and dads lip syncing and playing the game and. Uh, and being creative and i think that you see how that content very quickly becomes both replicable mimicable uh and viral yeah absolutely i mean and i guess as with a lot of other things i think that the fascinating question is for, for a lot of charities to see how much of that is retained after everything hopefully goes back to to normal um or whether everybody just sort of goes back to how they were doing things before um so yeah it'll be interesting to see in terms of the the approach the organizations take to, to video as a medium kind of what what happens there um one thing i wanted to ask as well kind of just just uh following on from that i know that the timing of this this whole uh crisis was pretty bad in terms of the film awards the, the charity film awards themselves this year which but you managed in pretty short order to turn it into a, a virtual event so just just interested to know kind of you know how how you made that happen and kind of how how the you felt the you, you managed kind of despite the huge challenges of taking what is a sort of big uh gala evening and, and turning it into an online event right so uh, genuinely the hardest thing i've ever done in my professional life to do to do that um from our living room with a holiday camera a tripod we borrowed from a friend around the corner um was an incredible challenge. So the, I think a few things I should say. First is that um, the uh, the guys at Fundraising Everywhere who gave us the streaming platform were phenomenal. Uh, and uh, one of the things that was very powerful about that and the partnership they helped us forge with um, Iwitot, I wish I'd thought of that, was that we were able to talk to more people in the charity sector than we had previously because we tended to be focused on the winners or the, the finalists. The second thing was that we'd always had this aspiration. So you you try to turn challenge into opportunity, don't you? We'd always had this aspiration that we were sort of Eurovision Song Contest or an Oscars party for the sector. 
we had 127 charities who were shortlisted across 14 different awards. So we gave them kits so that their supporters could share the evening with them. So if you can't be with us, be with everybody. And we gave them some, some fairly easy instructions for how everyone should get their supporters to view their films. And then in advance of the ceremony, and then we did a number of things that I think are really important to bear in mind. The first was we decided we weren't going to recreate a black tie gala sit down dinner with all the accoutrements because we couldn't. So what were the important components? And the important components are for us that we show the winning films, that people are allowed to dress up and celebrate and take a picture against a media wall if they want one. So we created a way for people to put their picture against the logo wall um, virtually and share it with us, that we were able to amplify and share on social. So we had seven volunteers who helped us run all of our different social channels uh, across the evening. And that people were able to receive their prize on the evening. So we had two other people who emailed certificates and winners' logos out as they were announced. And that we kept the moment of announcement of your category and the reveal as a moment of high drama. Like that's the moment for an awards, isn't it? Yeah. And the winner is. And so we um had a couple of a couple of mates who helped out. We had one Sam McNeil who sang the shortlists. <laughs> so everyone's name wasn't just read out, which could be quite flat in a virtual event. It was a song. And somehow he managed to get Twickenham and uh, the Richmond and Twickenham Beekeepers Association into a rhyme. So well done, Sam. And then an, another friend of ours, a magician called Pete Wardell, did the reveal of the winner as a card trick. Oh, nice. Because we couldn't have people open an envelope. And we've had great feedback about both those moments because we were trying to preserve the emotional moment, not the actual moment does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah um and then we also decided that people's attention span when they were at home was shorter so we you know if we do the real awards with networking and so on and it would be a couple of hours two and a half hours this was an hour long oh and the final thing um was that when people won we had another team of volunteers who phoned the winners up and then did zoom interviews with them Oh, yeah, good. Um, yeah. So, so the winners' interviews happened. But we didn't want to put those into the middle of the ceremony because that's disruptive to everybody else. So you acknowledge celebration and joy, but 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 try to do that in a manner that doesn't intrude on the, the rest of the audience who are excited about the next film they're going to see. Yeah, it's, it's really really interesting all the thinking that's that's gone into it. Um, there, I, one one thing I sort of wondered about this. I mean, again, sort of thinking about you know, I'm I'm involved in various events that have obviously kind of shifted online, although they're not not of the same format. They're more you know, they're slightly slightly nerdier and not kind of gala events. But do you, as somebody who's kind of got a you know a long standing background in organising uh, events, do you think that the sort of enforced changes people are making in the short term to shift events online is going to have any longer term? ramifications in terms of people thinking more about whether to do physical in-person events in the future well i think it would be foolish to say no but i think the bigger outcome will be content has to get better i think one of the reasons you see virtual events not quite working is free and we're very fortunate we get to show 14 brilliant films um but a lot of the time content's not great that's not about the charity sector. That's about professional events of all sorts. People who might be great at thinking who aren't great at speaking, presentations that go on too long, uh, or networking that's not networking. 
and I think when we come out of this, people will have, will therefore demand that their real life events are better, and and if not, will accept a a virtual version. But again, those virtual versions are going to have to improve because the barriers to entry are going to to decline. No, I was going to say no. It's really yeah, it's really interesting. I I, I guess that's that's the thing. I mean, I do think people are sort of actually realizing what's possible and actually potentially easier than they thought but at the same time as they're doing these they're probably i would imagine seeing what the what the important parts of of kind of in-person events are so maybe with, as with a lot of things will it won't be an either or it'll just be we'll have much more clarity about what's good about the one model and what's good about the other model in future Right. And so one of our, so I think, and you, you take learnings, don't you? So we'd always wanted to have that wider audience sharing in the journey that was enforced on us. If we're able to secure the, the sponsorship and the funding to do so next year, we would have a physical event and still stream it to the audience. We had 10,000 people watching live. 10,000 people, all of whom had a vested interest in supporting their charity. And here's the interesting thing. Here's the really, really interesting thing. They consumed the content in ways that we hadn't predicted. So some organizations, the team that was shortlisted, all had a private Zoom party and had their gin and tonics and watched and waited for their films. So that was kind of, I guess, what we'd sort of envisaged when we thought, thought about you know kind of Eurovision Song Contest parties what we hadn't envisaged was the number of charities that had score components to them who stopped who who spent the whole evening watching the hour-long show because after each film they stopped and had a class discussion about it uh, and then you know to, to the, uh, when the event ended I had texts in the following uh, over the coming days from friends of mine who'd watched it around the dining table or the kitchen table with their families and had done exactly that thing a film had provoked a discussion and they'd been able to pause the, 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 the awards, as it were, in order to have a family conversation about Surfers Against Sewage or the Born Free Foundation or Carers UK and then start again. And that, that's revelatory to us. The, the, it, not that we didn't think people could do that, but they did when we weren't telling them what to do with their time. That's fascinating. I mean, people. What people. What people do is sort of constantly surprising, isn't it? And often, in a, in a good way. Um, I'm, I'm aware I'm in danger of keeping you for for quite a long time here. So, I mean, one thing I, I just wanted to ask you about. We talked, you know, a lot about um, the ways in which sort of charities um, and, and organisations within the sector can kind of use video themselves to to kind of tell their own stories or raise awareness. I mean, the, the starting point for us making contact, I think, was was something slightly different, which was a I think a thread on Twitter about the question of whether there were any good representations of charity and what charities do um in kind of more mainstream media particularly in fiction i just wanted to ask you quickly about that i mean what's your sense of you know from from working with charities kind of telling their own stories what what do you think of the sort of broader context of how the issues around charity and the kind of understanding of charity is is portrayed in in the mass media whether that's sort of factual or fictional well, I think you have to draw a, a pretty clear line between the two. I think the the the, the, the mainstream media is in a constant act of double think about charity. Uh, I don't think it's easy to unpick or resolve. In terms of fiction, I think it's actually what's interesting about your your question on Twitter about were there any good films about charity or philanthropy? Is I suspect there are lots, but we don't call it that in those films. 
There's all sorts of moments where uh, good deeds and a sense of the wider community and giving back are actually one of the one of the components of everything from soap opera to science fiction. Uh, and that that maybe that's because that those acts of goodness and giving and generosity to those less fortunate is sort of a hardwired human thing. I'd argue. Uh, I, I think that that that's that that is different to the. I don't think media's doing what it was when Dickens, you know, every Dickens novel. So Christmas Carol is a brilliant example of, uh, uh, you know, the hero's journey combined with philanthropy. And uh, I'm not sure that reflects modern media. It's modern media is more sophisticated. Audiences are more sophisticated, and modern entertainment media tends to be less political. Whereas Dickens is political, isn't he? Innately political. Um, uh, so, so to, to the you know to, to a conversation you and I have had previously, I think the the Captain Tom and that story and the way in which it grabbed the public heart, and then the mainstream media sorts to turn that into a conflict around just giving. Sort of a sigh because it's sort of it's sort of very indif- indicative of that double think, and. And I hope the Charity Film Awards is a tool to start to show mainstream media journalists that the charity sector isn't quite what it thinks it is. Is a is more sophisticated. Is a marketing and communications sector as well as a, the act of doing good and helping those less fortunate. And so, film f- film might be the tool to to do that across the piece, rather than Arthur stole the funds from the church box in EastEnders. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow, that's a reference you don't hear every day. Um, no, I think that's, I mean, that's a, a really optimistic note probably on, on which to finish. I think you're right. I mean, actually, if it feels as though if, if video can and film can do anything, it's it can get across some of those, you know, kind of slightly more nuanced points, perhaps, of what charity is and how it's a bit more co- complex than it's sometimes presented, but without having to make people sit down and read a, read a 10-page policy paper, which they're not going to do. So. Right, right. And if I, if, I'm, if I might keep us here a bit longer, the first ever winner of a charity film award, so five years ago now, four editions ago, was a film by a charity called Communities for Development, which operates in sub-Saharan Africa predominantly. And it is the film which defines what I think Charity Film Awards is all about. So the film is not uh, about handout. It's not about poverty. It's about the entrepreneurial spirit in Balambuli Valley, which reflects the same entrepreneurial spirit as is found in Silicon Valley. And it's told with great humour, wonderful cast of real people, fulfilling their roles with great authenticity and at the end the ask is that you crowdfund various things so it uses an entrepreneurial model and and that's not to say we haven't shared hundreds of brilliant films since then but if there's one film that people should watch to demonstrate that these films are not what you think they are that that would be my that would be my takeaway 
Great. And yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely I'll um, try and put some links to, to some of the ones that you've mentioned there in the show notes so that people can go away and check those out, because I you know definitely recommend that, that people do. Um, just just remain to say thanks ever so much for finding some time to, to come on the podcast. It's been great to to get around to, to having a chat about this. I know I slightly had to postpone once or twice on this. so I'm, I'm very grateful to you for, for hanging great. on there. Great um, to be here. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Is there anything just before you go that you want to kind of direct people's attention towards or flag that you've got coming up? No, just that we have a library on YouTube of uh, 1,600 amazing films. And if you just want to dive in and out or you want to contact me direct because you've got a particular interest area that you'd like me to sh- suggest a couple of films for, more than happy to, to, to point people in the right direction. Great. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Audrey. Okay, great. Well, my thanks again to Simon for coming on the podcast. Um, I'll put links in the show notes to the Charity Film Awards where you can find um, loads of the different entries that have been throughout the years and take time to watch some of the videos, which I heartily recommend. Um, If you're interested more broadly in issues around philanthropy and civil society, check out the Giving Thought pages at the CAF website. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Rodri underscore H underscore Davis or at Philiteracy if you like stuff more about kind of books and academic stuff about philanthropy. Um, if you've got an idea for things we could talk about on the podcast, people I could interview, uh, drop us a line at givingthought at cafonline.org. Uh, other than that, just like, subscribe, tell all your friends about us, uh, give us a nice review wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye!